evening, everybody. Uh, I got a nap in today, so I am raring to go tonight, which is awesome. Uh, we have some exciting news. I think it's exciting anyway. Um, who am I? I am Victoria, and this is um, well, with Dream Dogs and with Hope Service Dogs. And this is our podcast slash Facebook Live called How to Train Your Service Dog. And tonight... Uh, we're going to talk about diabetic and medical alert dog training for your service dog. Now, Karen's not here tonight because she is in Disney. And this is one thing that kills me because she was in Disney yesterday and today. And I wanted to get down so bad to see her and to see Barry and to do Disney with them. And I just, I wasn't feeling up for it. I had an episode, a couple episodes Sunday night, and that really just threw me for a loop. So, uh, so that wasn't able to get done, unfortunately. And then uh, we have the fence being repaired. There was a, a stretch of fence between where we park and the house that was a picket, a wooden picket fence when we first moved in three and a half years ago. Uh, and that kind of fell apart. So we had some hog fence panels. And so that's what has been up there, but the gate isn't well, like it's not the greatest. So we are getting that stretch of about 110 feet fixed into chain link fence. And then uh, we have three big patios outside of the house and two of them, uh, well, they're all just like bricks <laughs> and two of them are really bad bricks. So we're getting those removed and we're getting um, cement, cement pound, just cement put down. Uh, and I'm so looking forward to having that. But um, they pulled up some of the bricks yesterday, like a patio and a half of bricks. And now coming into the house is just so dirty. You know, like you track so much dirt and sand in. Uh, so I cannot wait for... I think tomorrow they're supposed to come out and finish removing the paver. Well, the bricks, they're not really pavers. Removing the bricks and then building the forms. And then uh, he said we should be done by Friday, which would be awesome. And I cannot wait. Um, so we'll have two really nice um, poured concrete patios. It was a choice between poured concrete and brick pavers. And while brick pavers look better, with the wheelchairs, brick pavers are a pain in the butt. <laughs> they really are. Uh, so we are going with the poured concrete. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. So for Hope Service Dogs, we have some really exciting news. Um, we set up a Patreon account. Uh, how do you get there? You go to hopeservicedogs.org. So if you're sitting at your computer, pull it up in a separate um, window. If you are listening to me on your phone, just make a mental note to do that all later. Go to hopeservicedogs.org. And all the way at the bottom, in what's called the footer of the website, we have links to all of our social media and uh, more, <laughs> including the Patreon one. Uh, the Patreon, you do get swag. We have it set up that after three months you get swag, including stickers, magnets, clickers, T-shirts, leashes, uh, a potograph whenever we get the puppies in. So that'll be a little bit because we have to wait for puppies. Um, but it'll be really fun and exciting. Uh, so we have those set up so you can show your support for Hope Service Dogs and help us out and sign up on Patreon. Uh, another thing you can do is you can order one of our t-shirts. We have the first three designs have been released to the general public. Um, and that you can get at the bottom link at hopeservicedogs.org as well. And uh, they're white, and they have purple and teal, or light blue-ish, teal-ish. Mm, 
pretty <laughs> lettering on it. Um, and the back of it is the Dream Dogs logo and our three key points, which is uh, freedom, independence, and hope. So what does Hope Service Dogs do? We create freedom, independence, and hope for people who have disabilities by training them service dogs. It's pretty cool, right? Um, some other exciting news is uh, group classes that we've been doing. Now, if you're doing one of our programs, they include so many months of uh, coming to group class. You know, unless you just do a one-off session, but our programs that we offer for pets include uh, anywhere from two to four months. Our programs for service dogs include a lifetime of group classes. So what we decided on doing is our group classes will now be a ongoing fundraiser for Hope Service Dogs. So if you do come to a one-off class out here, you are welcome to. Now, in our group classes, we don't teach, you know, how to teach your dog how to sit because they're more of a finishing school, uh, finishing class. So I just want you to understand that too. This isn't a set for six weeks on how to teach your dog to sit and down and such. Um, yeah, we'll cover some of that sometimes, <laughs> but it's usually in the context of other. And we do have people who just come to the group classes and they get a lot out of it. So, you know, you are welcome to do that. Uh, the suggested donation is $25 a week. Of course, you are always um, able, willing, and could <laughs> to donate more. Uh, but yeah, so we take that and then we donate it to Hope. Um, you know, Rich and I do through Dream Dogs to help support Hope and uh, especially because we have the two dogs who might be coming this week or next week. Ah, can you believe it's here? Um, but yeah, so that's been what's going on with us. Uh, we have Patreon, we have our Teespring t-shirts, we have uh, the group class fundraiser, uh, we are affiliated with Chewy now. Um, we've set up an affiliate link with Chewy and with Amazon. You can get the links to both of those through the hopeservicedogs.org website if you go on the donation page. We have a, all the information there, and it's actually just a link you can click on. So if you haven't done Chewy before and you want to set up, please do it through there because, you know, they throw a little bit our way. And you know what? Every little bit helps. Um, so hello guys, I see a lot of people commenting, a lot of people getting on, and I'm sure, I kind of ramble a little bit in the beginning, um, but I'm sure that you guys are here for the information on diabetic and medical alert dog training for your service dog. And that is what our topic is tonight. Uh, for diabetic and medical alert dog training for your service dog, uh, this can cover a variety, anything scent related. Uh, now, through Dream Dogs, we have a bunch of videos up on YouTube. And one of the things I found is our old, old, old video. It is, I don't want to say ancient, but we're talking at least 10 years ago. Um, Zoe's in it. And it is how to do scent work, um, how to start your dog on nose work. And that, I believe, is one of, if not the highest viewed video that we have up on YouTube. But the problem is that's not how we train it anymore. And what we had there, um, because this, like I said, this was many, many years ago when the son of the sport of work was just getting started. Uh, and we had done a did is we took a cardboard box, think a smaller Amazon box, and pop treats into it, right? And so she'd go and she'd get into the treat. Um, and she, then she'd find out we'd have a whole bunch of different ones and we'd walk and we'd drop a treat into some, one and not any of the others and she'd have to go and find it. But what she was looking for 
was the food. And then after she's getting where she's looking for the food, the idea is to start pairing it with the scent, okay? And the reason I'm telling you this is because we no longer do it this way. We have found a way that is so much faster and so much better. But so then you pair it with the scent. So one of the things that you could do is get a salt and pepper shaker from you know, the dollar store and tape them together or glue them together. And then in one salt and pepper side is going to be salt or pepper side is going to be the, um, the food. And the other one is going to be the scent. So then it doesn't really get cross contaminated, but it kind of does. And I've never had salt in them unless that's the scent you want to go for. Um, you would, you would put those and then you can start, uh, going more places. Uh, we had a workshop, again, many, many years ago at the training center, uh, probably seven years ago, on scent. And we had one of the guys who worked at the Gainesville Police Department come out and teach it for us. And what he had was a box that when you push the button, a ball shot out of it. And the idea is it's an indirect reward for the dog. And since most police departments use German Shepherds and Malin was, the best thing in the world to them is a ball. So what you do is you wait for them to find that scent. You put the scent, you know, kind of by the ball. And whenever they hit on that scent, you release it. So the dog learns through classical conditioning. They pair up. This scent equals this food or this, um, this toy, which is the best toy in the world. Now, the problem with that is unless you have a Malinois or a German Shepherd, your dog might be like, I don't care about a ball. Plus those ball shooty things, which are really wicked cool, are at the time they were seven to $800. And that's just impractical for, for people to, to buy. I don't have one and I'm a professional dog trainer because, you know, it's just, it's impractical for me to buy it. Uh, if I was a police department, I might want to buy it to help train the, the dogs, but a lot of times they use toys as rewards, and I don't use toys as rewards for my service dogs because if I'm out in the middle of the grocery store and I want to reward my dog, a food reward is usually more st stability on the dog, um, which means my dog's not going to become a crackhead and start jumping around because I'm giving him food reward over toy. And I am not gonna chuck a toy down the aisle for my dog to get, nor am I gonna pop a toy up in the air for my dog to snack, snatch um, and, and squeak, squeak, because I'm out in public and I do not do those things out in public. So what we like to use for the service dogs is I like to use a food reward. Like I said, it's more stability, which is what we want in a service dog. We want a stable dog. We don't want a dog who's like, yeah! You know, um, and, and that's not the way that works out well. So then what we started doing is uh, we got a whole bunch. I think we got 10 different uh, three and four drawer plastic things. I don't know what they are. We still have a few of them. Uh, and what, and they're clear. They're just plastic drawers. Okay. Um, and, and so three or four high, maybe maybe three foot high and we taped over the front of all of them because it was clear um clear see-through bins in a white frame okay and we don't want the dog to look in and say oh the scent's in here so we got a whole bunch of duct tape that was colored and we just duct taped the front of all the drawers so the dog could not see we could not see and then we went through with a sharpie uh, we went through with a sharpie and we one, two, three, four, five, six, all the drawers got a number. 
So then as we were doing scent work that way, we would say, okay, the scent's in number five or the food's in number five. So we knew and we remembered which one we had put the food in and, uh, and then we take the dog and we bring him in and we let him go and explore and we could have some of the drawers a little bit cracked open, maybe not all of them, maybe we crack them open in the beginning. And the nice thing with that way is we had a whole bunch of hidey holes for the dog. I think we have like, we must have had 30 to 40 drawers because I told you we had like 10 of these and they were three and four drawers each. Um, so 30 to 40 drawers that we could hide things in, which is pretty cool. And we have some, um, what is it, silicone bowls. And the silicone bowls, um, we could put the scent in the, you know, uh, if we were doing Q-tips or if we were doing food, we could put it in there so it doesn't contaminate the drawer. And then whenever we were done, we could take that silicone bowl and put it in the dishwasher and, and wash it. So that worked out really well. But again, it's impractical because you have to, we had a whole corner of the training center set up uh, for our scent area. And it really gives the dog a visual of look here for the scent. Now, after a while, you know, so we could hide the food, we could hide the scent, uh, you know, depending on what it is that we were working on. But after a while, we would take it and put it in these metal tins with holes poked in the top of them, and we could hide it right outside of it. So instead of being in a drawer, it was between the two of them with the dog alert to it. Okay, maybe now it's like two feet away on one of the metal folding chairs that we have there. Does the dog alert to that? Uh, you know, so we could take it away from it, but it was hard to transition over for clients. Okay. Um, so that was another way that we had tried scent work. Uh, we had, I don't have any back here. Um, the metal tins I'm telling you about. Uh, we have a whole bunch of those because we do the diabetic alert dog training. So we had bought a whole bunch and you can go through and punch the tops of them. So we have a metal hole punch and you know, you just, you punch those, you can put a magnet in the back. And remember when I just told you we had metal folding chairs at the training center, metal folding chairs, magnet, can I see where I'm leading with this? So we would put the scent in the, the, um, the metal tin. We would teach the dog what to do, you know, that this scent means something. And then we would set up an aquarium. <coughs> Sorry, guys. We would set up an aquarium with maybe... We would hide it there. And so the dog's going in, and you could see if the dog's working. And how do you see if a dog's working? How do you know if it's working for the dog? Is, is their nose flaring? If their nose is flaring, then we're good and they're working, they're actively doing it. If the dog is panting <sighs> with his tongue out, he is not actively open. Um, and you can't smell, well, at least the dog can't smell when his mouth is open. Um, you might not know that, but it's true. Um, so we, uh, we would do that for a while and that worked and that worked out pretty good. Uh, but we wanted better. Okay. Um, because scent work can be a pain in the butt for some of these dogs and they don't get it. They don't want to do it. You know, some of them really want to do it. Some of them really don't want to do it, but it got to be, you know, do they want to do it? Do they not want to do it? Um, so whenever I went to, um, Nipopo Silver and Nipopo Gold, Bart has a much better way to do it that works 
so much better, it's so much better. Um, and what it is, is teaching the dog on something totally unrelated to what you're eventually gonna wanna do. So that's what we do now, is we teach the dog first to happily stick his nose in the container, right? Um, be it whatever you want it to be, um, or different containers. I want the dog to happily stick his nose in, and then we work on a scent unrelated. Now this is fantastic, because first I don't use dog food for this one. I don't use dog treats for this one. I use um, something totally different. And uh, once they get that scent, that okay, you want me to search for this thing, then you can switch up and do another scent. You could do essential oils if you wanted to. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of those. Uh, and you can you could do scent swabs. What's a scent swab? You take, uh, if you are familiar with canning jars, there's a small, like a jelly jar. And you can take Q-tips and you can cut, uh, get a thing of tin snips or possibly normal scissors and chop these Q-tips in half. Okay, so each of them is a little um, stick with the little cotton at the end. And you can drop a thing of um, the essential oil into the jar and then put in 25 Q-tips if you want to. Now, there are different um, organizations that do scent nose work now. I am not affiliated with any of those um, because we do like actual stuff that you don't get a ribbon for, but your dog gets to save your life with. Um, so I, I know one of them was birch, anise, and clove were the three smells that they want the dogs to alert to. I don't care if my dog alerts to birch, anise, and clove. I don't, um, because I want my dog currently, uh, and we're going to start some new videos because Django now has to learn to alert for gluten. And so does Candy and so does Gypsy. You know, we're going to see how they do with a gluten alert. Uh, we have done a, a few dogs with gluten alert. We've done a few dogs, uh, like a peanut alert. Um, I believe we've done dairy. Yes, we've done dairy, um, which is harder because dairy can be so many different things. You know, dairy can be milk. It could be cheese. It could be cottage cheese. It could be yogurt. It could be ice cream. So that one's a lot harder to do. Um, I've done a lot. Uh, you could do latex alert. So Rich has a very bad latex allergy, so he can't wear use Band-Aids. Uh, if he um, needs a Band-Aid, uh, he, he can't use normal Band-Aids because of the latex. We have to buy latex-free Band-Aids, or um, he will use uh, like a gauze and then like wrap it up in gauze and then make sure the tape is on the gauze and not on his skin. Uh, so you could do latex alert. Uh, you could do, of course, diabetic alert, and I've done, I don't even want to tell you how many diabetic alert dogs. Um, you can do the um, cardiac alert dogs. What's a cardiac alert dog? That would be for if you have wonky blood pressure or pulse. So if you're thinking dysautonomia, that would be a cardiac dog, okay? And you can teach them to alert you before you feel wonky because, you know, I'm nothing if not technical with, with the words that I use to describe things. So you can do that. You can do uh, migraine alert dogs. We've done a couple migraine, well, probably more than a couple with all of these guys um, because I'd have to go back and think of how many dogs and we've done quite a few. Um, we've done, I've done narcolepsy before. Um, trying to think what else. Those are the big ones. Um, I, I get people who, you know, they have something, something's up. And we, uh, you know, we work it through. 
uh, which, which, you know, you need the scent sample, but I don't want to start with the scent sample. So we just had a dog dropped off last week, I want to say. Yeah, I think it's just been last week. And the, you know, when I drop them off, bring in the scent sample. Well, scent samples only last about three months um, for your scent samples that you get from a, a person. Only last three months in the freezer and three days in the fridge. So whenever it's time for it, I, you want to use it. You want to get a few different training sessions out of it. And, uh, and I told her, I said, no, you know, we'll see you at like a halfway point or, you know, more than that. So we want to start with this other scent that we do so he so then he could add in any scent and he's like oh yeah I know what this is that's pretty cool okay uh, and, and like I said anything you want to teach him to alert to now you have to be able to isolate it okay and you have to be able to obtain it so I've had people I had one person who wanted me to teach their dog to alert to bats as in you know flying the sky bats not like baseball bat wrapped up in um, barbed wire called Lucille. Um, it was uh, for bats that fly up in the sky. I don't have a way to get samples on bats. Um, so no, we didn't help them out with that one. Um, I had somebody else who wanted me to teach their dog to alert to bees in the area because the, um, the, the child had a very bad bee allergy. And no, again, that's not going to happen because bats and bees, both of them with pollen trails and with flight paths, I don't know how that's going to be. I have no way of obtaining samples for bats or bees. Um, I don't, I don't want people to assume that, oh, well, you know, I mean, if a bee flew over here 20 minutes ago, where's that scent trail going to be? So think of a bee covered in blue powder, right? And then as he flies, some of the blue powder comes off, but because we're going to make it the same weight as air because it's scent, right? Like some of it's going to drop to the ground, some of it's gonna spread out. And so where are these, where, where has this bee been? Like where's this bee trails been? So they could be everywhere if you have a lot of bees in your area. Um, would that include hornets and yellow jackets and bumblebees and African bees? And you know, what would it, ah, you know, so if, if you start thinking about it too much, it gets to be a little too much. Um, I've had people who have wanted to do migraine alert dogs because they get one migraine a year or one migraine every four years that's not realistic. That doesn't, you know, even if it's disabling and you get one every four years, your dog might not even be there. Like what if your dog's getting groomed or you're on vacation on a cruise and you need to bring your dog during that time? You know, it, it has to be a disabling thing, not like I'm pregnant now. And so for nine months, I'm going to be on bed rest because of whatever. I'm not pregnant. That's just an exaggeration. Uh, example. You know, so you, you have to be realistic whenever you're talking about scent, but you have to have a way to obtain it. So when we do diabetic alert dogs um, for the owner, they have to provide the diabetic sample, okay? And we want lows to begin with. Why do we want lows to begin with? Because with lows to begin with, we, um, we have that. So lows, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> no, um, because lows aren't as fun to smell as the highs are. So the lows are more acetone. So think um, the nail polish shop at the store. That can be a little gross. I hate going and walking by there. I've never had my nails professionally manicured because that smell is such a turnoff for me. I hate it. 
Um, so it's more acetone, whereas the highs are more fruity and the dogs would much rather smell the highs than the lows. So if you start them with the highs, sometimes they're like, mm, nah, I don't want to smell the lows. I like the highs better. You don't want that. You can't have that. So we need, and plus the lows are what's going to kill you. Like, yeah, the highs can kill you, but it takes longer to bring those highs down and it's a shorter time to bring those lows up. So we want to be able to bring those lows up, um, fast. Okay. And not have the dog. Hey, you, <laughs> hey, you, I mean, seriously, hey, you. And that's the other thing is if it is going to take some time, you need to give your dog something else to do. Because if, if he is alerting you and you ignore him because, you know, you're drinking water and you took your insulin and you're waiting for your highs to come down, but it's going to be a half hour. Do you want your dog sitting there pawing and ignoring you thinking, why isn't this person listening to me? She's supposed to listen to me whenever I tell her that she's high you know, so you need to give them something else. Okay, go get my med kit. Okay, go get my phone. Okay, go get rich. Okay, now I want you to lie down beside me here and go into DPT. Okay, perfect. That's what I need you to do right now. Um, because if not, it's as bad as whenever, you know, it needs to be done and you can't help with it. You know, if your kid gets injured and you're, you know, I want to be able to help and I can't do anything and it's very frustrating. And it can be very frustrating for the dog as well. And we don't want the dog to be very frustrated because of, um, you know, just because it takes some time to, to accomplish that. Uh, so that's, that's some of how we do it uh, for medical alert dog training. Now, it doesn't take too long. We had a group class, the last group class that we did at the training, we had, I think five, six, seven people who were in there to teach their dog diabetic alert, because I told them to sign up for the nose work class. And we had about a dozen people who were in there for the pet side of it. So we had a really big nose work class. And for all our dogs, um, for the diabetic alert side of it, they were all doing live alerts by week four. So within a month, they were all doing live alerts, which is really awesome. And whenever you have a goal to work towards like that, it's really easy to, uh, to be motivated, especially whenever you can get it done in four training sessions. Not that that's usual. It's not usual at all. We had done training with these dogs prior, but uh, it, it worked out really, really well. And if you're saying, well, wait a minute, I thought this was going to be how to do it. Um, diabetic or medical alert dog training. I'm telling you some of the things that we've done. I'm giving you some broad clues on how we do it, but how to actually do it. It all depends on the individual dog. We have a few different ways that we do do it. Um, you know, like I said, you need to get those samples. You need to make sure those samples are not contaminated. If they're contaminated, you don't want that. I spoke with a, a gentleman from Miami who was helping train the uh, police dogs down there. And they thought they were doing a good job with scent. And instead what happened is they trained the dog to alert to duct tape, which they used on the, um, uh, gosh, hand towels and washcloths that they were holding in the scent. And they were making these little like in them scent cocktails. And they thought that they were training the dogs on scent, but they weren't, they trained actually them to alert to duct tape. So you can't have that either. You need to have the dog do what it is, which means if you're going to use duct tape, if we're going to use these metal tins and magnets, we need to have metal tins and magnets that we're using without. 
if we're going to alert to um, low blood sugar, we need to have normal blood sugar to proof it off. So they're not just indicating on your saliva. I have yet to have that happen because I've got normal saliva in my mouth all the time. Okay. Um, if I'm doing uh, gluten, I'm going to do the gluten part of the gluten, right? The gluteniness. And I'm going to do gluten free. So the dog's not just alerting to you know, whatever, the, the salt that was in there. If I'm doing milk um, for a dairy allergy, if I'm going to do milk, I'm going to add in rice milk and coconut milk to make sure that the dog is proofed. And everything I can think of um, to use as a make sure that the dog's not alerting on this, I'm going to make sure that I do it. Okay. Um, but those are some of the things that we do for our diabetic and medical alert dog training. I know we're closing in on a half hour, but this is going to be a short one tonight um, because we have baby goats down there and I want to go play with baby goats before it gets too dark. Um, this is Victoria with Hope Service Dogs. Check out hopeservicedogs.org, which is our website. We have our Patreon on there. We have our t-shirts there. Um, and you can like, rate, share, subscribe. So if you like the podcast, if you like the Facebook webinars, you know, like it. Um, star us, you know, rate us on that one, share it with a friend, um, share it with people who aren't your friends and subscribe. If you turn on notifications, then you'll be alerted whenever we go live and you won't miss it next time. Okay. So I will see you guys next week. If you have a topic you'd like me to discuss, let me know. This one was a suggestion. So this is what happens whenever you tell me what you want to hear. I'm able to do a whole podcast on diabetic and medical alert dog training for your service dog. Oh, one last thing before we go is you do want to start with your breath. So I will start the dogs off um, for the cardiac alert dogs, for the dysautonomia, with when I feel wonky, having them come over to me and breathing on them. And that's great. But if you do not shape and train a task for it and proof them, and they just happen to do it just because, that is not a task. A task is trained it just doesn't happen naturally. You have to train the alert in some way, shape, or form. Now, say every single time you feel wonky, your dog does this one thing, then shape that one thing more and make sure that you get those samples out so you can try in different environments and make sure that your dog does it. I've had way too many people tell me that, well, my dog's like eight weeks old and he just like naturally alerted whenever I had a migraine. So like, he's like a migraine alert dog at eight weeks old, right? No, that's not how. So even tells you, no, that's not how things go. So you need to, to shape it. You can't just say, my dog's magic. That's how it goes. You need to shape and you need to train. Okay. Catch you guys next week. Don't forget to give us that five-star rating for our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And be sure to tell your friends.